Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. We've been talking about prophecy, the prophetic ministry, the prophetic gifts. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts. We thank you. We know that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, at this point, we're knee-deep in the prophetic ministry in this conversation. For the first, first chapter, I talked to you about my story Five chapters after that, up until chapter six, I give you some theology. I want to build a foundation on the prophetic gift, ministry, prophets, and so on. Chapter seven, in this part of our discussion, and for the next several weeks, is going to get very practical. If you're joining us and you haven't been around for the rest of the conversations, I just want you to know we had lots of theological discussions about what prophecy is, how it works what a prophet is, what an old covenant prophet is, what a new covenant prophet is, what a false prophet is. We've had hour-long discussions about all of those things. So if you feel like what I'm saying is a little out of context, you're right if you've missed some of those lessons. And you can always go back in order to appropriately have the context for the things that I'm about to say. But I just wanted you to know that. Right now, what I want to talk to you about is what I'm calling the prophetic gifts. That's the title of the message And we're going to be pretty practical. I think it's really important to do that. Now, I want to just start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. Now, I want to mention something, and I'm going to drop a bomb, and we're going to keep moving. Because I'm writing a book on this right now. There are not just one type of spiritual gifts. There are three, if you want to call them spiritual gifts, and they're different. And that's why it's important when you study the Bible that you actually read what's being written, who he's writing it to, what they understood when they read it, and then extrapolate those principles that we can for our times. That's a proper hermeneutic. That's the way to study the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth. What we've done in spiritual gifts teaching is we've picked all these passages from the Bible and we've put them all together and we've acted like God's talking about the same thing in every one of those verses. And that's not true. And so what I'm going to do is just dissect this. We're going to come back to it and talk to you about what I'm calling prophetic gifts. And the first just category of gifts is called ministry gifts. Now, we've discussed this a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 through 16, these these are five-fold ministries. These are ministry gifts. It says that Jesus ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. These are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. There are five ministry callings, and these are more categorical, but they're not quite like spiritual gifts the way that we've been taught. And it's really important. We will not go through that, but that's important to know. The second category of gifts are called motivation gifts. These are the titles I'm giving them. That's Romans 12, 4 through 8. And there are seven different gifts. One of them is prophecy. Most people, when they teach motivation gifts from Romans chapter 12, they're going to say things like, when you're born again, God designates, sovereignly chooses what he gives to you. Now, whether or not I can fully substantiate that, I can tell you that there's past tense language when you're reading the book of Romans where it says, he has given you a spiritual gift which means you don't get to pick it, pursue it, or whatever. God has given each one of us who are in Christ, not before we're a Christian. 
I don't, I don't believe that. I believe when we are born again, God, through the Holy Spirit, imparts what he designs and what he desires for us to carry for his purposes. Sometimes spiritual gift teaching is misaligned with scripture because people will say, what are you passionate about? Well, that's not a really good question to discover what God has given you because sometimes God gives you something you're not that passionate about. In fact, when you read scripture, you'll find that people that were called of God didn't always like what they were given to do, even when they were good at it. And I have found that sometimes when you go through these spiritual gifts tests, or these different books, they'll say, what are you passionate about? That's probably what God has given to you. Maybe, but maybe you're actually avoiding rather than pursuing what God has put on your life. And that's why it's important not to assess yourself, but rather actually invite other people in to give you an assessment of you. You know why? Because the number one gift in the Bible, according to the spiritual gift test that people say they have, is discernment. I can't tell you how many people. It's like, I have the gift of discernment. I'm like, you can't even see your hand in front of your face, man. Just, I'm exaggerating. Sounds kind of mean. But it's like everybody thinks they have the gift of discernment, and these spiritual gift tests sometimes mislead us, all right? A formula is not how this works, all right? Christianity doesn't work by a formula. But there are seven gifts in Romans chapter 12, and they are given to us at our spiritual birth. You may have one, you may have two, I don't get to decide that. God does. The third kind of gift is manifestation gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11. Now, I want to make some statements. I don't know if you know this or if you've believed this or heard this before. Nobody has any of the gifts residently from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You don't own them or possess them. They're not our possessions. They're Holy Spirit expressions. And I can show you that by reading this to you. Sometimes people say, I have the gift of faith. The gift of faith is imparted to someone for a specific situation. Nobody has the gift of faith. The gift of faith is not optimism. It's not the person that's really jumpy and always believes God. That person has a measure of faith that might be more than others. But it's not a gift that you have as a resident gift. These are given, imparted to us as we minister by the Holy Spirit. There are nine gifts that we read about in here. And as we minister by the Spirit and as God uses us, we can learn all of these different things and God will give them to us when the situation demands it. They're situational gifts, impartations of the Holy Spirit or manifestations. Okay, you ready to read? Here's what it says. Now, there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit. That's Romans chapter 12. Follow me. Remember I told you the three categories of gifts. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries. That's Ephesians 4, but the same spirit or the same Lord. There are varieties of effects. That word is manifestation, same word. And that is exactly what he is about to explain. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. Now listen to this. But to each one is given the manifestation. That's the same word as effects. Each one is given the effects or the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And now he goes on to say what those are. And there's nine of them. For to one was given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith that's the gift of faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, that's plural, gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the effecting of miracles or the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing or the discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, 
and to another the interpretation of tongues. Now listen to this. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. The grammar is this progressive thing. Four times from Corinthians chapter 11 to Corinthians 14, it says, when you gather. The context is when the people of God come together and a need arises, he will give one the gift of prophecy, one the gift of discerning of spirits, one the gift of faith for a situation that arises. And guess what the Holy Spirit does? He decides how and to whom he does that. Now, what I believe, because people will ask me the question, can you teach people to prophesy? The answer is yes. Can you make people prophesy? The answer is no. Can you determine what God says to people? No, God's God. We teach people how to posture themselves. We teach people how to understand what the Bible says. We teach people how to understand what is not from God. So in a sense, you can teach people to prophesy. Of course you can. You can teach people to teach the Bible. You can teach people to be hospitable. Yes, each person has a level of faith. Each person has their own anointing. Romans 12 even says, to each one God has given a proportion or measure of faith. Use that to the maximum level. And so it's really important for us to understand that if we're going to be trained in the things of the Spirit, we first, it starts with what we believe. Now, here's what I believe. I believe based on Scripture, individually as He wills, that God can impart to us any one of these nine Spirit enablements or Spirit abilities. We call them gifts. He can give any of these to us. So we want to know what they are so that we can partner with God when he gives it to us to be used to the greatest magnitude possible. Now, the reason we've got to define this and describe this is because we may not know it's even happening. You could say, well, Ben, doesn't God use people uh, even though they don't know it? Of course he does. But it's important for us to learn about it so we can partner with him and it'd be that much more powerful. Now, so these gifts, there are many different spiritual manifestations. All of them are from the Holy Spirit. And the same one can look different in each person. All of them, in all their diversity, work together for the common good. So it's not for us. God doesn't give us the distinguishing of spirits for our own lives. He gives it to us so that we can see something and be helpful for others, for the common good. So here's the deal. If you want to serve other people, God will back up your desire with power. If you set yourself to love people and serve people, God will give you power to do it. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. He's more excited to impart something to us that we would be used by him than we are to be used by God. He's more excited about that. And so here's the thing. Some of these gifts work together. And that's what I'm going to show you. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, and discerning of spirits. These four gifts, they're revelatory in nature. They're supernatural. And what you find when you minister in the spirit and you pray for people and you listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll find words of knowledge will come. Words of wisdom will come. Gifts of prophecy will come. Distinguishing of spirits will come. I want to help you understand what those things are, and I want to show you how they work together. It's like tools. Some tools just work together right? If you take a screw and a hammer, you can hit it in. It's not the best thing to do. Screw and screwdriver, those work together. Hammer and nail. Some gifts work together better. Revelatory gifts have that nature. And so let's go ahead and look at the first one, which is the word of knowledge. I call this prophetic hindsight. 
Knowledge speaks about something that is and speaks, speaks of something that has been true. Here's my definition. A word of knowledge is a specific message with factual information about someone or something that is given supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. So God speaks to you about something in a person's life or a situation, and you could not know it unless it was from God. You just naturally, you couldn't know it. You couldn't read that person. It wasn't that somebody told you about that. It was that he spoke a word of what is or was true. It's knowledge, something that is established. Now, I personally... um, refer to the word of knowledge as prophetic hindsight just to help uh, understand what this aspect of revelation is because they do look a little bit different. So I tend to say it like this. Word of knowledge is present, past. Word of wisdom is usually present and present future. Prophecy is present future. I'll go ahead and come back around on that in just a moment. John chapter 4 and verse 15 is where we see the word of knowledge working. There are actually many passages. I could reference them if you want, or you can just pick up a copy for free on your way out. There are all the references that I could find for word of knowledge are in the book, chapter 7. John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman at what we would call or refer to as Jacob's well. And as he's having this conversation, he says this in verse 15. He says, um, or he tells her, that um, he says, give me a drink. And um, she, she, go, she goes on to explain, you know, sort of sarcastically that uh, they have this dialogue. And uh, I'm sort of kind of trying to compensate here because I meant to have more than that, this amount of verse. So anyways, here's what it says, verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water because he said to her, I will give you living water. And so she's being sarcastic. So I will be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, go and call your husband. So he's having this dialogue with her. He says that he can give her living water. And she sarcastically goes, oh, I'd really like this water. He says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you've correctly said, I have no no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. And she says to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. What happened? Jesus said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have one. He said, you're right. You've had five, and the man you're with right now is not your husband, and she's blown away. She went from sarcastic to what in the world is going on, and she says, I perceive you're a prophet. He says, I'm more than a prophet. This is a word of knowledge. He spoke to her about what is true in her life, and in their day, nobody did that except for prophets, and we've already established from the third lesson that we did, everyone can prophesy because in Acts 2, it says the spirit will come upon people and they shall prophesy, old and young and men and women, they shall prophesy. What does that mean? It means that they will do what they understood only prophets did. They could speak from God, not that which was scripture or that which equates to scripture, but they would behold the visions of the Lord. They would hear the voice of God and they would speak. Words of knowledge only came from prophets and that's why she said this. Now, I've experienced words of knowledge many times. I experience them quite regularly. In fact, I've told you one of the things that I do before services is I pray and I wait on the Lord. And during worship sometimes, I'll open my journal again. I opened it during pre-service prayer. I open it during worship. And I just, this is my new journal, will give legal advice for donuts. Um, It's awesome. Anyways, didn't know that was what it said. Um, I'll write down anything the Holy Spirit puts in my heart. Usually, he'll put in my heart a word of knowledge. 
And that would be a physical condition somebody has in the room, something like that, what we should pray for, what we should target. Um, He'll show me what somebody's going through. Sometimes I'll look at a person as I'm praying. I don't get to dictate this from God, but I understand what a word of knowledge is. So when I'm looking at someone and the Holy Spirit indicates something to me, I know that's a word of knowledge because I'm trained on it. I I know what it is. I also know what, what a word of wisdom is. I know what prophecy is. I know the difference. Now, it may not matter to the person that I'm going to minister to, but I can cooperate with the Holy Spirit as I understand these things better and better. One time I was at uh, my parents' house, and there was this guy that walks up to the, to the door, two guys. They walk up to the door, they ring the doorbell, and then they back off because they didn't want to scare me. You know, they just, they just had that look. And so, and they had one of those spiels like, sir, we sell magazines and we live in this particular home, and when you buy our magazines, it supports this thing and all of that. And I was like, come on in. (laughs) So they came in, and I got them something to eat and something to drink, and this was my opportunity to buy a magazine and then share my testimony about meeting Jesus. Amen? Yeah, so inconvenience your life, share about Christ. Anyway, so I share with them about Jesus, and one guy stands up, and he goes, oh, man, we're late. And so they just scurry, and they're kind of walking out my house or my parents' house, and, uh, and I'm not, I don't live at my parents' at this time, but I'm just there, and I go, hey, do you guys want a ride? Because it was, they were apparently pretty late. Sure, absolutely. So we get in the car. Where are we going? Just go down the hill to the gas station. So we drive down the hill to the gas station, and the one guy, because he heard about my testimony that I, could, I was hearing the voice of God, and he was quite intrigued, and he said, well, tell me, how does that work? How do you hear the voice of God? And so this was the guy that was in my passenger seat that was asking this. And I said, well, it's kind of like if when you were this age, I don't remember now exactly, it was a long time ago, but if when you were this age, you know, you had this conflict with your parents and you ended up running away from home and I gave him the age, you got into gangs, you ran the street life. And then you ended up at a place where you wanted to go back, you wanted to reunite with your parents, but you felt like it was too late. And I mean, and I said something like, is that about right? And he looks at me and goes, what the, nah? you know, fill in the blank. Hey, he did that. And so as I pull up, this is exactly how it happens. I thought I was going to lead him to Christ because it was really powerful. Like the spirit of God, you could sense his presence in the car. I pull up to the gas station. Before I park, the guy literally opens the door as I'm driving and runs to the van that's picking them up. I stop the car, and the other guy, he's getting out of the back, and he goes, hey, man, I don't know what just happened right there, but I was amazing. <laughs> you know, like, and so I encouraged him, but then he went and got in the van. I'd love to tell you that I led him to Christ, but I really believe I didn't plant a seed. I planted like a palm tree in that dude's life. You know what I'm saying? Like that was a fully formed tree in that guy. No little, this little seed, you know, one day it'll grow. It was like, good luck with that, buddy. See you later. Jesus loves you kind of deal. But it was a word of knowledge. I told him the age that he was. I, to be honest with you, this is the serious truth. I guessed. It's how I felt. I was just like, hey, it's kind of like if you were this age and this is what happened. I was giving him an example, and the example was the Lord. See, this is what I'm saying. If we just would live a prayer life, people say, Ben, how do you do that? It's not about being gifted. It's about being connected. If you live a life of prayer and you live a life in the word and you stay connected and you pray before you go places, 
your attitude will change, your heart will change, your pursuit will change, your view of people will change. Instead of, instead of avoiding people, you'll be attracted to them. Instead of wanting to move away from people and get away from them, you'll want to move towards them and share what the Lord has. Words of knowledge are powerful. Now, you're asking, Ben, well, what's a word of wisdom? Glad you asked. A word of wisdom is a specific message that provides wise strategy or practical application for a current circumstance. This is 1 Corinthians 12.8. This is not a general impartation for wisdom. It's not like this dude or gal is really wise. It's been misunderstood because it literally, grammar, a message of wisdom. It is imparted when it's needed. It's supernatural. It is a practical strategy. Now picture this. Picture like you send out some scouts. You're in the military. You send out some scouts. They go and they're looking at the enemy who's over the bank and they see that the enemy's lined up. They've got all their soldiers together. They hear about this plan that's going to come. They're going to come and attack this army, us. And so those scouts come back and they tell this military group of people, hey, here's the plan of the enemy. I heard this. This is what they're going to do. That's great. They have knowledge about what's about to take place, but they don't have a wise strategy of now what to do. A word of wisdom is where one of the officers steps up and says, thank you for what you've just shared, that knowledge. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the strategy of attack for us not only to keep us safe, but also to counterattack. That's wisdom. Now that I have knowledge, I know how to plan and I know what I must do. Does it make sense to you? Okay, so knowledge and wisdom work together. What I'm trying to say is, is that the revelatory gifts work together. God will give a word of knowledge and then sometimes a word of wisdom will come alongside and be needed at that time as well. Proverbs 25, 11 says, like apples of gold, in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. A word of wisdom is spoken in right circumstances. And it's like an apple of gold. Gold in Solomon's day was precious and expensive. Settings of silver, silver was common. It's like something precious in the middle of what is common. That's what a word of wisdom is like. It's the right word spoken at the right time to the right person. And God is giving that stuff to us. You've heard my story with my wife and I. Uh, Bridget was uh, a single teenage mom, and she's a boss because she raised kids by herself. Didn't need me, but I'm so glad she married me. Amen. So when we came together, I got the privilege to adopt her two boys. They were 9 and 11. They had different fathers. I was 24. She was 27. She was older and wiser. Always has been. Always will be. We're going to cut this short, and you and me are going to speak together. And so, uh, and so we got married, and our older son, his father uh, was not a great guy at the time and hadn't seen his son for five to six years. Six months into our marriage, he calls and gets on the phone with us, and I'm not going to let her get on the phone because they didn't have the best relationship, so I'm the man of the house now. So I'm going to get on the phone and talk to this dude. It's been five, six years since he talked to his son. And so he wanted to see Isaiah, and I said, heck to the no. <laughs> Basically, it was, we had words. They're not pretty. I'm a pastor now. God bless you. All right. I was then too. Oh, whatever. Anyways, so we have words. It's not sanctified. Um, I told him, go through the courts. Well, we didn't hear from him for a long time. To be honest with you, I was scared. 
I was scared as to what might happen if we include our oldest son's father into this family because now these two boys have been praying for a father every night and I'm, I guess, the manifestation of their prayer, which is sort of a lot of pressure. But needless to say, I just thought it'd be best if we just do this and we learn how to do this. I don't, I don't wanna do that. It's been five years since he's seen him anyways. And our other son, he hadn't seen his dad ever. And he was a baby when he did, so he didn't obviously know him or recognize him, and now he's nine. So I was trying to protect the family, and I was doing that, to be honest, out of fear, because I'm 24 and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing other than I'm just going to try to be a dad to two boys who haven't had a father. That's where I'm at. So I was really rigorously trying to defend at every point wherever this man would try to get in. But God, over a period of years, starts working on me. Whether I like it or not, this is his dad, right? And I can play defense out of fear, or I can listen to the Lord and play offense. Well, you know how the Lord will minister to you over a period of time and work you down and teach you what you need to know? That's exactly what the Lord was doing with me. And so there came a day where the Lord, I, was dri- I remember I was driving in this one street, and the Lord spoke to me. I want you to invite him in. Our son had gotten to a certain age, and he wanted to see his biological father, It wasn't mine to withhold, but the Lord gave me a wise strategy. I want you to invite him in. That was all he said to me. And I knew my fear was not dispelled when I heard that word, okay, at all. (laughs) But we ended up through relationship, we did, we invited him in. We invited him into our home. We invited him into the graduations. We invited him into the birthday parties. I'm pretty sure he was really skeptical when it first started happening, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you sure? Like, yeah. So we had him over to our house. We integrated him into his son's life. Isaiah began to go over to his house. They started a relationship. My fear started to dispel. I still had to pray through that. I had to fast through that. And it didn't, it, for the first season, it wasn't good. I mean, it was, a, it was not a good influence. We had to pray through that. We had to walk through that. But the Lord said, invite him in. Don't play defense. Get on the offense. I want you to be the person to bring this together. And it reminded me of what God had said to me years before that, that your job, your role in their lives is to bring about their purpose and their destiny. And one of those purposes was to reconcile with their fathers, their earthly fathers, My role was not to replace them. My role was to bring them into reconciliation. But that took me a long time to understand that, right? Because I felt threatened. Well, anyways, one of the things that happened, Isaiah was not moving down the right road and his father may or may not have been an influence of that. By the time he turned 18, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a word. I want you to write a man book. I want you to contact all these guys and I want you to ask them to write a letter. And I literally wrote a book for my son. It's called the man book is what it's called. And they're just like seven principles of what it means to be a man of God. And uh, I got pictures that I had from him and I. And then I asked his earthly father to write a page, not a Christian. Um, I asked him to write a page and he wrote the second page. So I wrote this little book And then I put it all together and I bound it. And on his 18th birthday, I took him with his biological father. And the Bible says to bless your kids. They used to lay hands on him. It says, bless your kids. So I came with his biological father, who's not a Christian. And we went out to dinner together. And I presented this book to my son, who was from me, his father, and then 17 other men about what it is to be a man. And uh, we laid hands on him. I don't remember what his biological father prayed. It just was not to Jesus. But I was just like, Lord, just sanctify that, you know. Um, but when I laid hands on him, 
and we laid hands on him, something shifted in my son. He went from following the wrong path, and it was like not even a year later where he ends up on his own accord getting in this internship, and now he's a youth pastor of the church we came from. That wasn't because we pressured him. God shifted something. It was the blessing of the Lord. Here's what I'm saying. That stuff would have never happened, that example. He did not hear us speak negative words about those boys did not hear negative. I'm not saying I didn't have frustrations and issues in my heart. I'm not speaking for my wife. I'm just saying for me, I wanted to protect the family, but we, we made a covenant that we would never speak negative words in our home about their biological fathers. We would not cultivate um, unforgiveness. We would let God deal with our hearts and not our baggage. Not that you have any, mine. I'm talking about me. And the Lord anointed that. Here's what I'm trying to say. That's part of our story. There's a lot of pain in there. It wasn't perfect. But my point is, is that God gave, us a, God gave me a word of wisdom. My wife and I yielded to that word. And we saw something happen that just was a, it was a cascade effect that I believe touched someone's, our son's destiny. Now, listen, <laughs> when I talk about words of knowledge and words of wisdom, I'm not talking about cheap frills. I'm talking about having substantial words being given to us. Here's what I'm going to say to you. You need God's wisdom in your life. I need God's wisdom in my life. You're going through situations right now that you could use a word of wisdom. We're either pursuing the Lord or we're not. But I'll tell you something that the gathering of the Lord does when we come together and we're spirit-filled and we're spirit-directed and we're Bible-grounded and we're seeking the Lord. Opportunities are happening all over this room for us to hear something and say something that is from God that could change somebody else's life. Don't you love that the potential that's in this room goes so far beyond just us and even our family at times, it could actually affect the destiny of another person. For those that believe it, be it unto you according to your faith. You know, but this, what we're teaching is not casual Christianity. It's that pursuing passion. It's that pursuing flame is what we're talking about. What would it be like if everybody walked into this room and was pursuing God for somebody in this room? What would happen? What would the church really be like if everybody came this way? The posture would be incredible, right? So there's massive amounts of scripture that speak about words of wisdom. I don't have time for it. Um, I won't make time for it because it would take me an hour and a half. The third gift that we want to talk about tonight is the gift of prophecy. I've spent a lot of time on that. I call this prophetic foresight. Now, word of wisdom is present and sometimes present future. Word of knowledge is present and usually present past. People ask me, can a word of knowledge be for something in the future? Sure, I'm not, you know, I'm not God, but yeah, it's, but a lot of times it's present past, Wisdom, word of wisdom is present and sometimes present future. Prophecy is about that which God is doing and is yet to do. It's forthtelling and foretelling. But let me explain this to you in case this has not been clear this entire time. There are three aspects to the prophetic. The first is the calling of a prophet. We dealt with that. That's a ministry. Not everybody is called to be a prophet. Right? We talked about that, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. The second is the gift of prophecy. That's Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. Not everybody has the gift of prophecy, but some people do. And the third is the anointing to prophesy. That's Acts chapter 2. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are three different aspects to the prophetic. Calling of a prophet, gift of prophecy, and the anointing to prophesy. Everybody here can prophesy. 
We've established that. That was lesson three. It's very, very clear from scripture. You shall prophesy. Not everybody has the anointing to prophesy. They have that gift in their life. You say, Ben, what's the difference? The difference is people that have a gift to prophesy usually don't have to ask God for a word. It's, it's like the, the faucet in your sink. It's like the flow is always on. It's like the, the, the handle is turned on and the water is just coming. You don't have to turn it on. You don't have to ask. If turning meant ask, you don't have to turn it on. It just flows. It flows. And I know for me, and I'm not trying to be a self-proclaimed prophet or tell you what I have or don't have, I usually don't even have to ask. If I'm abiding in Christ or connected, I find that usually that happens. How do I know that? It's been happening for 21 years. So I've recognized that over that period of time that this is something that has become, that's why I wrote books on it, you know, because I mean, I didn't want the foolish stuff that I've seen too. So I tried to set the record straight, but the anointing to prophesy is something that all of us can do. Why do some not? Because a lot of times people are not trained. You know how some people are really focused on healing? It's all about healing. Usually they were in a church where they learned healing and deliverance. You meet people that are really focused on just discipleship. Well, they were in a church that was focused on evangelism and discipleship. It does not mean that everybody has that gift per se. It means that you might be under an anointing and a teaching where that is more common. And so that's why you're better trained in it. So what we're doing tonight and what we've been doing and we're doing for 12 weeks is we're talking about the prophetic, which will train people to understand it better, receive it more clearly, and hopefully be able to prophesy in a way that's naturally supernatural. Right? It doesn't have to be strange, weird, or, or odd. And so the anointing to prophesy. How do you know if you have the gift of prophecy? We've talked about that a little bit, but I just mentioned it to you. This is prophetic foresight. Now, the discerning of spirits. I call this prophetic oversight. This is not the ability just to discern. This is a situational gift. God imparts the discerning of spirits to be able to see into the spirit realm. I know that sounds... different, but that's the truth. It doesn't necessarily mean that we see open visions, but it means we're able to detect the life source of what's behind what a person is saying or doing. You can tell that that's from the Holy Spirit. You can tell that's from a demonic spirit, or you can tell that that's the flesh. And that's something that God gives situationally, and we see that. I would tell you the gift of discerning of spirits is not the ability for someone to be generally discerning or (laughs) fault-finding. The, the discerning of spirits is, you know, not to be critical, right? That just takes one eyeball and not so great mind. Like the fault finder is more of a, an accuser of the brethren. It's more of a spiritual energy that comes from the demonic, demonic power or deception. And we need to be really careful. Like, if you've ever prided yourself, oh, I'm just kind of critical and you think it's funny, it's not funny. <laughs> L- listen to me. I'm just being a good shepherd here. It's not funny. It's not funny to be critical, In fact, not only will that hurt you, but it'll hurt your children. It'll hurt people around you. It'll hurt your relationships. I know because I've owned real estate on Critical Avenue, okay? And I've had to sell that. Every now and again, I try to buy it back. But I understand this because I've had to fight against seeing negative. Now, sometimes you see something that is wrong, and God supernaturally shows you that, right? But what you do with it then determines your maturity, or at least it indicates your maturity. If a person knows something is wrong and what they do with it is they're frivolous or they tell other people or they use it against them, 
I mean, that's about as fleshly as you can get. So what's the source coming out of you, even if you had that right information? You see what I'm saying? So for so long, the gift of discernment has been this negative thing. When people say, well, there's, there's something demonic that's happening around here. And I'm like, yeah, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. <laughs> I mean, it's like, sometimes people act like the demons are lurking and we're like, yeah, they are. That, I, don't know, I don't know if you just woke up to that, but like the Bible says the enemy is the prince of the power of the air. The, the Bible shows us that demonic spirits inhabited people, oppressed people, inflicted illness upon people. That has not changed, and that happens in every nation of the earth. They're overt or they're covert. I don't have time to talk about the demonic, but the reality is, is that every time somebody starts to go, there's, there's, there's demons trying to, <laughs> we know that. And I'm glad you're welcome to the party. You know, I'm glad that you are with us now. But are we taking authority over them? Are we helping people understand what they do and how they infiltrate? A lot of times it's false teaching, false prophecy, false teaching, influences, what you listen to. Listen, if our ears are bent towards evil, let me just say, it's really hard to hear the voice of God. It's really hard to hear the voice of God. If we fill our lives with entertainment, we fill our lives with sinful thinking and, and entertainment and music, <laughs> it's really hard to hear the voice of God. It, it just, I'm just telling you. It doesn't mean God loves you less. It just means you fill up your system. You will, you will not hear the voice of God. You will become a casual Christian. Discernment will be so low, you'll get deceived on some level at some point. We have to live set apart to God. We have to. Our ears have to be set apart. Our eyes have to be set apart. Our heart has to be consecrated. Holy. We are a holy people. He is the Holy Spirit. Set apart. That's what that means. And if we're unwilling, to the degree that we're unwilling to yield to the Lord is the degree in which we will be a carnal Christian. And we will seek the blessing of the Lord, but not the person of the Lord. Intimacy will not be our path. So even what the Christians did here in Corinth is they sought gifts, and they sought that to make them feel spiritual rather than to serve others. And when Paul heard about this, he corrected it. He said, if all you do is you have these gifts, and you manifest them, and you show them off to other people, but you don't have love, you are nothing. You are a clanging gong. You're, you're this drum. If I just kick this drum all night, the only thing you want me to do is stop, right? And that's what spiritual gifts look like from unloving people that don't serve others. Please stop. We don't care about your gift, right? But gifts that are empowered love flowing through the body of Christ are incredible, and we need them. Absolutely. They encourage us, strengthen us, and so on. So discerning of spirits is very, very powerful, the discerning of spirits helps us to identify the presence of demonic spirits, unhealthy motivations of a person, identify the presence or activity of the Holy Spirit, which we need to focus more on, avoid deceptive teachings or false prophecy, and embrace true prophetic words from the Lord. One of the things that discerning of spirits did in the early church was it helped them to identify when somebody was speaking from the Holy Spirit and when to receive that prophetic message. My concern with prophecy today is that it's a lot like sugar pills. People want a prophecy so that they feel better about themselves. Tell me that I'm amazing. 
and then I walk away and I feel amazing, right, even though I may not be. Uh Uh-oh. And then we add the addendum like God would never say anything bad. (laughs) No, God would always say the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So there's, there's the macro truth, which is eternal, and then there's the truth of your life. So I would say that God would not embarrass you, but people sure do sometimes, don't they? So one of the things I don't do is publicly, we won't call out. I say, if we're going to prophesy, we're not going to call out people's sin. If you feel like you hear something about what somebody's going through that's difficult and could be embarrassing, don't say it publicly, right? Just like you wouldn't do that to your kids, hopefully. I've done it before. You ever embarrassed one of your kids or a young person? You don't usually get that back very easily. It's very hurtful, and they don't always say it to you but it, it can be very painful, very difficult. So it's important for us to, to recognize um, what's going on there. So anyways, you guys with me so far? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, discerning of spirits. These are revelatory gifts, and here's what I'm saying. They work together. These are the prophetic gifts. Why do we want to understand them? Because we want to know. This is what will happen. When you're praying for someone and God begins to speak to your heart, he'll give you a word of knowledge. He'll tell you about something that they're going through or that they have gone through. But what we do is we get excited, like God shows me that somebody had like a back pain, okay, let's just say. And that back pain is like, that's great. Who has a back pain? Everybody says that. Now, if I'm praying over someone, the Lord shows me that, but that's not where it stops. He showed me, he revealed something because either he wants to heal it, but also he might be identifying a person that is supposed to receive more ministry. And so now if I'm praying over them, the Lord may show me a word of knowledge for their past, not just about their physical body, but he'll show me like, hey, you've walked through a very difficult road in a relationship that you've, that you've had. It's a family member. And they go, yeah, that's true. And the word of wisdom could be, and then as I'm praying over this person, as I'm waiting on the Lord, the Lord could show me, and I just have this sense that if you'll reach out to them, right, that you're supposed to reach out to them and that as you do that, God's going to bring reconciliation, right? So here's what I did. Word of knowledge, you had a strain in a relationship. Word of wisdom, you're supposed to reach out to them. Word of prophecy, if you do, God will bring restoration. Word of knowledge, past. Word of wisdom, present. Strategy, if you will. Word of prophecy, God will. You see how these work together? Past, present, future, This is literally how I think when I minister. God will do this, but sometimes we get really excited because he gives the supernatural word of knowledge and we're so excited, we're like, yeah, that's awesome, and then we just start praying. We don't recognize a lot of times the word of knowledge opens the door for the rest of the ministry to take place. That's the way that it usually works. So that's how I think about this. These work together, and God wants us to carry them in such a way where they'll overlap. It's very powerful. If you know this, You'll be more patient when you pray over people, when you minister to people, if you have the time. Maybe you're in a line at at a grocery store or somewhere out and about, and you don't have the time to go through some process. It's not about teaching you a process. It's just teaching you that this is typical. God will give words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy. You don't have to go, okay, that was a word of knowledge right there. Okay, I didn't didn't hear the wisdom. Where's the, Ben said wisdom. Like, where's my notes? No, no, it's not ding, 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 ding. I'm just saying Spirit-filled people, when we get trained, I automatically do that. Peace is the potting soil for revelation, okay? 
So when you, know, when you set yourself to minister to people, you have to be in peace. You just silence your heart. As you do that, God will begin to speak to you, and you'll start hearing things. And what I do, honestly, is I just speak it out. I know it's crazy, but here's the deal. Like, if you put yourself into the proper context, okay, like, I've studied, I've sought God, I've prayed, I've set my face towards him, I've prayed over you, I've prayed over those that would come. You know, I'm in the context for God to do something. When you live that way, he will do something as we respond to what we hear and what we sense. I had a vision during worship. I don't know who this is for. I don't want to find you or point you out, but... Uh, I saw a car on a freeway and you were just speeding like you were going really fast. And um, you were on the freeway and you were going faster and faster and fa- far beyond the speed limits. I don't know that, that there was a concern for that. Um, and uh, there's a warning that I'm supposed to give you. And the warning is you need to slow down because that, that crash is coming. And so whatever that means in your life, if you don't slow down, I'm giving you a warning. It's the Lord's mercy to warn us that your life might be going at a pace that you won't be able to sustain, but there's a time where we get to stop. I mean, life moves fast anyways. I'm not talking about what's out of your control. I'm talking about what's in your control. The warning tonight from the love of God is slow down. You won't be able to undo some some things that happen if, if you don't. What's in our power, what's in our grasp, we give it to the Lord. Amen. If that's you, can I urge you? Just give it to God. (laughs) Lord, we pray everything is yours. You tell us, slow our pace. We don't want to run, run, run and not be able to sustain it. We don't want to crash. Lord, I pray over each one of us in our lives that we would hear from you, that we would walk with you, and that you would sustain us. We thank you that you are We ask that you would continue to use us this week for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.